But Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 reads this way. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I love when I hear songs and when we sing songs and when I hear... If they're proclaiming God's word, if they have scripture just embedded in them, I could not care less if I like the style or the tempo or any of that other stuff. If it has God's word in it, and it will grab a hold of me and I can remember it, I love that. I appreciate God and his word, and I appreciate people who are creative and musical that can take these things and put them in a way where they'll stick in my head, and I can remember God and his word and the different names that we have. It's just great. So today, we're talking about Jesus as he is our everlasting father, really how God plays the role of our everlasting father. When I hear the word everlasting, helpful or not, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. is the everlasting gobstopper. Right? That has nothing to do with God. That's just what comes to my mind when I think about it. See, not helpful at all. Right? It's humorous, yeah. Sometimes humorous is helpful, sometimes it's not. But one of the things that was so impressive is that there was this piece of candy that would never wear out and that it would never go away, that you would never have to replace it. And that is, that is the definition of something that is everlasting, that our Father is always going to be there. Unfortunately, what happens is oftentimes we associate, we learn by association, God is described as our everlasting father, as a good father, as a caring father, as a compassionate father, as a father who is involved, as a father who is engaged, as a father who is there. But what I know is true is that too many people don't know what that feels like in this life. So by association, good, bad, or indifferent, they hear God described, or maybe you hear God described as father, and you think, I have no good memories of a father. Because I think what happens is how we view things on earth, we use that filter and we, that's how we view God. So I want to talk about maybe some ways that we, you have viewed your earthly father. Or maybe ways that you have behaved for fathers out there as an earthly father. Maybe you have experienced an earthly father who is never satisfied. You know, guys kind of catch a bad rap, but sometimes that's true. It, maybe your father was never satisfied. Maybe you were never good enough for him. Maybe he never said anything kind to you. Maybe you knew that he loved you, but he never said it, or he never sh showed it to you in ways that you could really grab a hold of and understand. So maybe for your view of a father is that your father is someone who is never satisfied, that it's never good enough, that you will never be good enough, that you can't ever do it right. And if that is your view of what a father is or I'm sorry. And I'm not telling you that you're wrong because oftentimes that is experienced and we've seen it and we've heard about it. But that is not who God, our Heavenly Father, is. So what we have to do a lot of times is we have to break the mold or we have to delete the tapes that are playing in our head when we think about certain topics because what this world does and the sin that's in this world is that it corrupts us. And what it wants to do is it wants to corrupt every single part. Even the ways that God wants to teach us about who he is 
and what he's going to do. Maybe when you think of a father, you don't think of an everlasting father. Maybe you think of your, your earthly father. Maybe it wasn't someone who was never satisfied, but maybe it was someone who was always angry. Maybe that's what your view of a father is, someone who's always mad and yelling. You know, I yell sometimes in my house, but it's only when people deserve it, okay? So, so that's fair. <laughs> right? Maybe your view of an earthly father is one who's seldom there. Maybe for good reasons, maybe for bad reasons, maybe it's always working to provide, but not there for other things. So if those are your view of an earthly father or what it is, or maybe what you are called to do, or maybe as a father, maybe what you see in your life, if those attributes fit you, stop. Because speaking as a father myself, I know that how my daughter sees me and then how I try to teach her about God is our father, she's going to associate those things together. And guess what? I'm going to screw it up. And I will fall short. But that's not an excuse to do so. What I want to do for Ella is paint the best picture about how her heavenly father loves her by the way that her earthly father will love her. So if your experience with your father was bad, I'm sorry. And maybe as a father yourself, to some of you guys out there, if maybe you are finding that these attributes are more true than some of the other things in your life, pray that God convicts you, that God helps you, that God can help you change the behavior and change the way that you view things and change your priorities because how we treat others is going to be a direct reflection of what we believe. And as a Christian, that holds a lot of weight. Fair or not, that's the reality of life. But I, what I don't want is I don't want a, a skewed view of earthly fathers to mess up how we view our heavenly father. The association is easy to make, and I understand why and how it happens. But what we have to do is we have to figure out ways to explain God to people so that they can understand so that they can see, and maybe your picture of a father is broken, and that's the last thing that you would think of a loving God to be described as a father, but that is who he is. But just because your experience has been bad, don't let that taint who God is and what he wants or how he wants for us to view him. So instead of the monikers or the descriptions of a father who is maybe never satisfied or always angry or never there, I want to give us a a biblical picture about what our Heavenly Father looks like, maybe what He sounds like and what He does, to give us, even if you had a great experience with your Father here on earth, like I did, I was blessed to have that, to have my Father in my life and a, a loving Christian and a great example, not perfect, because no one is. But the longer that I live, the more that I appreciate my Father, because He did set a good, loving Christian example for me. So when I think of God as a loving father, I'm there. I got it. I understand that. That resonates with me, but it may not for you. But that doesn't change who God is. God is our everlasting father. First, our everlasting father is compassionate. I'll read a couple Bible verses to go along with this as well even though you might hear these descriptions of God and say, well, yeah, that's right, I know that. But I don't just ever want you to take my word for it because I'll mess up. 
our Heavenly Father is compassionate. Psalm 103, verse 8. Verse 8 is where I'm going to stop, maybe. I'm going to start in the beginning of Psalm 103. Thinking about God as being compassionate. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He makes known his ways to Moses. He acts and his acts to the people of Israel. Verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord God is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. For me, Joel, as a father, if I could have that description of me, man, I'm going to have a lot of things figured out in this life, and I'm going to be doing a lot right. Verse 1 of Psalm 103, it's one of those verses, again, that, that's embedded in some of our songs, the ones that we sing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I love it when I read God's word and then a song comes to mind because then that can stick with me. And what I think that, or at least what I found that I need, is that I need more sticky verses of Scripture. Let me explain what I mean by that. I need more sticky verses of Scripture. I need more of what God tells me is true in his word that I'm going to grab a hold of it and I'm going to remember it and I'm going to let that stick with me throughout the day and throughout the week. If we were kids, we'd talk about Bible memorization and knowing Bible verses. But what we need are we need to come up with ways how we can get God and his word to stick with us, to stay with us. And songs are a powerful way to do that. Memorizing scripture is a powerful yet neglected way to do that, at least in my life. But I need God's word to find ways for it to stick, to know what it says. Our Heavenly Father is one who is compassionate. I'm going to read some words of Jesus out of the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Jesus declaring, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul." It seems other than the answer when you ask somebody how you're doing, they say good. 
The two other most common, it, this is a very scientific poll that I conducted with myself just now in my head, but the other most popular answers that we get from people when we ask them is that it's either good, that's what we say in church on Sunday morning, or it's I'm tired or I'm busy, right? Those are the answers that we get all the time. Oh, I'm busy, I'm tired, oh, there's so much going on. Jesus knows that we have a tendency to gravitate towards that in our life. And what is true of us is true of his disciples, is true of the people of Israel. We are people and we fall short and we drift towards making things more complicated than they need to be. And that's why Jesus says, come to me all who are heavy laden, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus' direct response to the religious leaders of his day who tried to bear on burdens on people, to put extra laws and rules on top. If you want to love God and follow after him, you've got to keep these 10, but also these 600, and don't mess up. Jesus says that's, that's not what it's about. He is a kind and compassionate and everlasting father. Another good description of our Heavenly Father is that He is caring. Our Heavenly Father is caring. Two passages of Scripture. The first, Psalm 55, verse 22. Then we'll flip to 1 Peter. Psalm's easier to find than 1 Peter. But Psalm 55, 22. Our everlasting Father is caring. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Then I'm just going to read 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. It says, Humble yourselves before, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Our Heavenly Father cares. He tells us that he cares. And he also shows us that he cares, both from his word and what we find to be true as we read the Bible, as we spend time together in Christian community. We call that the church. We see the ways that God is compassionate. We see that God is slow to anger and abounding in love. We see that God cares for us, that he is patient and he wants for us to cast all of our cares onto him because he cares for us. And he knows that you can't carry it by yourself, at least not without devastating consequences <laughs> or not for very long. Because my heavenly father, his back is very strong. It is much stronger than mine. His muscles will not wear out. His disc will not slip. It will not degenerate. He won't catch. He will not grow weary. And he can take the burdens that I can't carry. And maybe you need to turn over something to God that you've been trying to deal with all by yourself. And maybe you're thinking, I don't want to bother anybody else with this. I'm just going to keep it to myself, and I'm going to pray about it. Well, maybe you need to turn that over to God and us, to the church, for others to be able to help you, to pray for you, to check on you, to see how you're doing. And to not think so much of yourself of going, well, I don't want to bother anybody else. Well, we're here to bother one another, okay? 
We are here to bother one another as a church, sometimes maybe not in some good ways, but most often in good ways. We're here to help, to care for, to be there with, to encourage, to cry alongside, to mourn with each other. Letting the people we know, that we look into their faces and we have conversations with them, that we care for them because our Father cares for them. And that if even if in other relationships they've learned that they can't trust people, that they can trust God. And hopefully they can trust me and you and us as those that try to represent Jesus, as those who want to live a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit of God indwelling in us. Living as a walking, talking, breathing example of our everlasting Father who is compassionate and who cares. Another, I think, essential quality of God as our everlasting Father, not letting our jacked up versions of what a Father is or should or isn't or should be in this world. It's that he's not a father who's, who's never satisfied or always angry or never there. But he, our everlasting father is compassionate. He's caring. And he is always there. He is always there. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you. He will not let you down. He is always there. The book of Hebrews says it great in chapter 13, verse 5. section of Hebrews is talking about sacrifices that are pleasing to God. Verse 5 says, keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God tells us he will not leave or forsake. He will always be there for us. So if you get a feeling in your life that you're alone and that God is not there, rest assured that he is. And pray that he makes himself known that you can see and feel and experience him in your life. It's easy to let skewed views of things in this world mess up how they're supposed to be. Don't let that happen with how you view God as our father. Don't let that happen because he is compassionate. And he cares. And he is always there. Let's pray and talk to our Father now. God, thank you for being there for us, for always being there around us, even in the times where we mess up and we sin and we ignore you or the times that we run very clearly away from you. God, I pray that we know you more for who you are and the work that you will do in our lives. Father, thank you for being compassionate and present and caring. God, may we be those things in the lives of the people that we see every day. God, as Christians, may we be compassionate and caring towards others. And may we be there to help. God, as you are there to help us in our time of great need, even before we recognized it. 
God, you sent your son to die for us. Father, may we be willing to be that picture of Jesus to a world that can hear no greater news. Our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, our prince of peace. God, we honor you in this place. Father, thank you for giving us your ear that you will hear us whenever we call out to you. God, we praise you. Keep our focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen.